Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. hope we want i mean you know at some point it's gonna to have to be the start of the recording so we'll let's this is the start of the recording this is the just just league i'm scott taylor joined by josh brown hello scott like five minutes ago <laughs> we were just talking about crisps and i was scared that was going to be the introduction so honestly i'm pleased you cut that bit out i mean it, you know I'll, I'll still put the question out there anybody who's listening to this come find us on social media let us know your favorite crisps we're sort of highlighting doritos and quavers and um, which is a massive disparity between the crisps i would have said quavers is I just, that's a c tier for me i don't know Ooh, I don't know, man. Like you couldn't. I agree. You couldn't get um, you know further apart on the crisp spectrum. Mm. But is there something about like qu- quavers are Moorish, man? Like I could eat like ten bags mm. of quavers and just keep on going. Same with skips. Same with Watsits. All of those like weirdly flaky ones. They're, I was gonna say they're all like a bit fuzzy. They're all a bit like foamy. I don't know what that texture I, is, but they're just they're yeah, really like the the, melty. the teeth fuzz. You know, like you eat too much of them and you kind of feel like. Your mouth has a coat on it, you know. That's, it's not, I can't, it's not that's what I hate. That's the, it's like I'm sort of coating my teeth. I just, I don't bond slap the teeth. I, I'm not, I can't take it. I don't <laughs> want it. Um, but also, this is an E3 podcast. We thought we would do some uh, E3 rumors. It feels like E3. I don't know if you feel the same way, but it feels like E3 this year is just, it's just kind of there. Like it's just sort of, it's just nebulously hovering around. And we know that it's going ahead. It's going to be this digital only event. But because there was so much back and forward, um, it just doesn't, one, it doesn't feel as important as it used to because every other company is now doing their own streaming stuff. Even, you know, like Capcom doing a Resident Evil stream or whatever. It doesn't feel like we're waiting for announcements at E3 anymore. And then also because it is an all digital event, like it doesn't have, I just, I don't know, do you feel the same way that E3 itself has completely changed? Yeah, totally. I mean, it seems like, obviously, you know, they had a year off last year and they're coming back this year. Mm. But, you know, it's it's a month and a little bit out now. And I feel like we know very little about it. We know more about what's not happening there than <laughs> what is. You know, we know Sony's not going to be there, for instance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of like shrouded a mystery. And hopefully that's because they have something good and interesting up their sleeve. And that's what I'm kind of banking on. Because, you know, we, me and you are big lovers of the E3 experience. Massive lovers. You know, never been, but enjoy watching it, watching it from home. You know, it's like gamer Christmas, as we always say. So <laughs> I'm hoping they can bring that energy back in a year that I think needs it. I would totally agree. I mean, I think the the weird little, we've talked about this quite a lot, but the weird little rumor that they had a couple of years ago about how they were going to revamp E3 before, before the sadness, before 2020, before all that, when they were going to go down the route of social chits and they were going to get loads of like celebrity voice people to be there. And it was going to be this whole weird thing where they said they were literally trying to manufacture FOMO and make sure, fear of missing out and make sure people would want to be there and 
it was horrible, to be honest. All that stuff sounded really horrible, fake, studio-y, market-y, corporate-y. And I don't know how much of that's going to be in the revamped version, but whatever. That was kind of the direction that the ESO were taking it. <laughs> yeah, no, you're totally right. But I like E3 in the same way that I like the Oscars, which was um, actually oh, last night. And I uh-huh. feel like both of those are occupying a kind of similar vibe where you know they're both happening this year, but like the Oscars just kind of like <laughs> happened last night. I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't even know until thing. this morning, to be honest, about the Oscars. I was just like, oh, things won some awards. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of good things won, but it kind of feels like, you know, as we're into this malaise at the moment, these big milestones kind of mm-hmm. like just drop out of nowhere. And you're like, oh, yeah, that thing's happening. But <laughs> going back to what you were talking about, like social chits and how they're going to change the experience, make it more influencer driven, like on, on, on the surface, that sounds bad. That it sounds something I don't want whatsoever. However, I do think the cringe is an integral part of the E3 experience, <laughs> just as it is with the Oscars. Like if the Oscars was fun and hip and actually like cool, that would not be, be cool Oscars. to me. I wouldn't want it then. I want a bit of like weirdness. I want a bit of like this distance between me and the quote unquote like Hollywood elite with all of this money and like there's something in that. What you can't do if it's digital though is like those those times when the demos don't work. Like I just remember when Uncharted <laughs> Four just stopped working. The guy just stood there with the controller, and I remember when he was trying to walk off, and he literally his mic was still on, and you heard him say, "What are we trying again?" And he just went back yeah. out to like try. Was <laughs> like, give me a whole show of that. Um, but what was the name of that dude? That um, the, was it, Mister Cool or something? The guy that went like the guy that used to work for Ubisoft, <laughs> and he was like, I cannot remember this. He was standing on. Someone will know this. He was standing on an E3 stage and. He he was like, oh, we'll do, he did transition. So he was like, over to, I don't know, Just Dance for the next sort of segment. And then he would go, doodle, 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 And then it would like cut to them. And then he would come back out of it going, doodle, doodle, doodle. It was, it was, it sounds like I've lost my mind, but it was definitely Have a thing. made this man up? It sounds maybe, like, you maybe know, it was Mr. paper Caffeine. clip on Word. You know? it might, I, don't know I, think, I think it's yeah. actually Mr. Caffeine. I think I'm thinking of Mr. Okay. Caffeine, which is, I do also would like a cup of caffeine, but I think that's definitely what he is. <laughs> Um, but anyway, we should talk about the fact that we thought we would do some E3 rumors because regardless of the fact that E3 feels like it's all over the place, um, there is still a chance of big things happening there. Now, it has been confirmed that Sony aren't going to be there um, for whatever reason. They've just, Sony's just on an island onto themselves at this point, but we're still going to be Xbox and Nintendo are going to be there. Um, there'll be all sorts of third parties and stuff that are already confirmed. It's over on the E3 website, um, but Sony are either not going to be there at all. I think they've officially said they're not going to be there. They did sort of. Yeah, I think um, the ESA, the body behind E3, he said like you know they didn't want to do it last year and it doesn't look like they're going to do it this year so right. yeah it seems like they're just not turning up again they <laughs> <laughs> just not bother. the playstation streams and stuff i guess you know jim ryan's just he just he just do it from the garage man i don't i don't care just stick the <laughs> stick the camera on me but um i so we've got um in terms of the sort of um parameters that we're working with for me i went just down the xbox nintendo route i was like what would be the big headline stealers for them um, but also, I'm going to open on something that is maybe potentially out of nowhere, something I didn't clear with you before we started recording, something that just, just could land and drop. And I feel like I've built it up a little bit too much. But ironically, that is what it is ref- in reference to. It's Cyberpunk's return, mate. I think what Whoa. if E3 is the place that we get Cyberpunk 2.0, whatever the whatever the revamp is that they've clearly been working on. And um, we've also got the, we've got the next-gen versions that need to come out, the PS5, the Xbox Series versions. I think that the uh, Cyberpunk, whatever the next version vision of Cyberpunk is, arrives on the xbox stage because obviously it can't do sony mm-hmm. sony don't 
care. It's not even for sale on the Sony store anymore. But they take advantage of the fact that they did a lot of pre-release stuff with Xbox anyway, and they do a big old CDPR cyberpunk re-reveal um, on the Xbox stage or on the Xbox stream or whatever it is, showing the game running on Series X, showing it running on the high-end software possible um, and confirming all the DLC packs, the DLC leaks, the add-ons and stuff, show, you know, the gangs of um, Night City, the sort of like the different story stuff, maybe hint at the, the fact that it's all been fleshed out. Maybe they show a new life path or something like that, different ways that you can play it. Um, either way, I think they need an audience to care and they can yeah. get so much of that from their own first party stream. So my first prediction is that Cyberpunk makes a makes a big old splash. I think that is bonkers. I think that is bonkers <laughs> thinking, Scott Tilford, because a few <sighs> things, you know, I do think they might come up and show the next gen versions, you know, if they have been right. in production, if, if they're going to drop, you know, it makes sense for them to show that off on like the Xbox stage or whatever at the same time. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're going to promise any content until they have proven they can deliver it. So I don't think right. we're going to hear about the DLCs properly or, you know, have a big look at what this game is going to be um, before they can, you know, win back some goodwill and prove that they're going to deliver on it because a huge part of why Cyberpunk failed outside of the bugs and stuff were these unrealistic expectations mm. that set with the marketing. You know, it's going to, it came out and it was like, it's going to be this grand game. It's going to be GTA mixed with uh, Witcher, mixed with Fallout, mixed with whatever. It's going to fulfill all your dreams and obviously... It didn't. On the other hand, I also think um, it might be too soon for them to even have a Cyberpunk 2.0. I mean, right. they've been following it all year. They've dropped a few updates now, and it certainly is in a better position than it was, you know, last year. But they've still been dealing with a lot of pushbacks. Mm -hmm. Their roadmap, you know, didn't have anything until the end of the year. Now, I feel like honestly, it might not be until. I think. I think your prediction could be right, but I think it could I mean... be right for E3 2022, not 2021. <laughs> 2025 when it's finally back on the Sony store. Yeah. I think for me, I mean, it was just when we start, whenever you talk about E3 stuff, I love the the balmy, anything goes, the bonkers, as you said, predictions, because anything anything goes, anything can be real. New Silent Hill, who cares? It can be right there. And so if you think about something that feels like it's never going to happen, which is a fully running next gen, lovely, super stream, super smooth version of Cyberpunk, then that was something that I just pulled from the back of my mind going like, well, what if, what if they do something? But at the same time, like you said, it's not like like the average person even trusts their visuals anymore. If CDPR said this is the game running on next gen, everyone's just going to go, is it though? Because you said this last time and then it's a complete yeah. mess again. So maybe the only way to recover um, Cyberpunk's reputation is to just drop updates for free and let people figure it out themselves. Um, I don't know how the conversation happens between them and Sony, just saying like, because that has to be a phone call at some point saying it's actually okay now. Like, I don't know yeah, how soon. the hell we get it back. I mean, I'm sure, oh man, I, I can only half remember it, but I'm sure I, I saw like a, um, a news thing, a news post um, mm. where they were talking about being in touch with Sony and being like, we're nearly there. We're nearly back in the store. We're almost, we're having good conversations. You can move the, the stick and the character moves. And every, look at the new shadows. We've got him running and everything. <laughs> it is mad that that thing's still not on the store, man. Like it is crazy. That's mad. And also the fact that we mentioned like it's, it's received a bunch of updates. Like there's the, the they, they've kind of tweaked the police. They're not great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> follow up album, tweak the police. But in regards to like, they've sort of done a few different patches and stuff, but the shadow is still broken. Everything else, like, you know, the most essential stuff, he still runs ridiculously. And it's just like, <laughs> what? Has he got any hair not, yet? Uh, hair? What would he do the shadow? <laughs> I don't think well, so. Well, at least... At least for my character, for my, my lass, she had like, you know, a little bob or whatever. But in the shadows, mm. there was no hair to be seen. And, you know, she was just, it's like just a, a silhouette. Weird, yeah, just a weird sort of bald silhouette mannequin thing running yeah. like they've been electrocuted. It's not it's not good. But anyway, what was your uh, what was your first E3 prediction? 
Um, this is what I'm looking forward to, and I hope it happens. Um, and that's a big Battlefield blowout. I think mm. we're going to get the reveal sometime in May because I think Battlefield 5 and Battlefield 1, um, they were both shown off. They had their first trailers dropped in May. But I think mm. this is going to be the big centerpiece of the EA Play event that's happening because, you know, they've been hyping up internally and in investor calls the next Battlefield for like what feels like ages now. You know, every yeah, single time yeah. they have an investor thing, you know, one of the CEOs, one of the executive comes out and assures that the shareholders that we've got Battlefield in the way, it's really good. <laughs> But obviously, you know, they say these things to the money men, but they haven't actually really said much to the fans. And recently, the Battlefield Twitter has been teasing a bunch of stuff. And all of the rumors, Scott Tilford, mm. point towards an interesting thing. And that's that the next Battlefield is going to be next-gen focus, which I think would be huge because yes. the other rumors on the other side of the field are that Call of Duty is not going to be next-gen focused. It will have a next-gen game, but apparently that's going to stay multi-platform for the next two installments. And um, that was the recent rumor. I think it was Tom Henderson who was maybe um, talking okay. about that, if I might have got that wrong. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, the idea of like a next gen battlefield, I think that will like turn heads so much. Like Indeed. I'm sure there will be a, a current gen or a past gen version, but I think that'll be a part. That's what the mm -hmm. rumors seem to suggest that it'll be made by another team. It'll be more downsized. And I don't think we'll see that version at E3. I think we'll see, you know, full scale next gen Battlefield Six, and it'll blow everyone away. Hopefully, that's I. I just I just want things that run on the new systems. I know that it's <laughs> exclusory or whatever to like past gen stuff, but at some point we need to move on. And at some point, I want franchises like I mean the tech people like Dice who make gorgeous looking games. I want to see what yeah. that studio does with full access to an SSD and you know like the whole all, all the hardware capabilities of the new systems. And um, like you said, that would totally turn heads for me. Battlefield as an IP feels like it's just been gone for. Like, I don't even. When was the last time anyone cared about Battlefield? Like Battlefield One? Like, I mean, I guess I cared about yeah, Battlefield that. Five in the runner, but I feel like that yeah. game's reputation and everything just didn't. No one talked about it. It's totally solid, but like, yeah. I just feel like that the IP is just completely on the side. Like they have a lot of ground to make up at this point. Well, I think that's I think that's why it's in an interesting position because, like mm. you said, Battlefield Five didn't really take, and I think that you know there's a there's a desire to see Battlefield come back. There's a desire to see it come back in a big way, and because they have been silent for a long time mm -hmm. i do feel like there's still a lot of faith in what battlefield 6 could be especially if it's taking advantage of the next gen hardware because you know you mentioned battlefield 1 like people love that game people yeah. really love Battle battlefield 4 for all of its um launch problems people really enjoyed battlefield give me them 3 skyscrapers, mate. give me them all day exactly long. and i feel like you know again the rumors point towards this next installment being a modern day game and i feel like that worked for call of duty it's been ages since we've had a modern day battlefield you know mm -hmm. we had world war ii we had world war one so to come back to you know modern day near future go modern military re-embrace kind of like the anarchy of the battlefield 4 era but you know blow it out to even more players blow it out to even more destruction you know mm -hmm. more um interesting live service elements because you know loot boxes and microtransactions aside i think when it comes to um, first-person shooters and battle passes, I feel like they can add a lot of content in a way. You know, they can mm. add a lot of customization. They can add a lot of free maps, free weapons, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I do think, you know, there's a desire for it to be good. There's a desire for it to be co to come back. And as long as DICE and all of the other studios working on this game have done something, you know, that lives up to their previous work, I feel like, you know, now's the time for this something with lots to of, come back. Something with lots of levolution. That's what we, that's I what would we like. need, the EA's old buzzword. 
I, I did yeah. see a rumor doing the rounds um, literally just this morning. It's not like it's not verified remotely, but it was just doing the rounds on Reddit. I think we talked about it this morning um, that the battlefield might return to a more futuristic place as well, like like set in 2030s mm. or something. And it would be more like futuristic battlefield, which it is kind of easy to forget that they have got that wing of the franchise. Like there has been futuristic battlefields before. Like I like the idea of them sort of chasing the Titanfall Apex crowd. Like maybe they've seen that take ah. off so much. And then you can kind of do like a more futuristic one. Give me lasers, give me spaceships on a massive <laughs> crazy scale with like 80 to 100 players like that that could be something that like you said turns heads and um, you know you sort of come over the crest of a hill and you see a whole mess of different um, players all fighting each other and you realize oh they're actually all real players that's actually a whole war going on between mm -hmm. these like massive groups of people and it's all set in the future i just want titanfall 3 mate to be honest that's all i <laughs> just channel that through whatever you need to channel it um the next thing that i had down was halo infinite i think that microsoft will have something they have to have something to say about halo and um, at least you yeah. would hope so and um, so my specific prediction is that we'll get a new a new specific date for halo infinite um towards there's something towards the end of the year maybe december or whatever but they will also put out the free multiplayer that was rumored last year um because phil spencer did talk about that 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 was something that they were going back and forward on whether or not um they should just put out the like multiplayer portion of the game for free back when the game was first delayed um and it would all run at 120 frames a second whatever it would at least give people something to play um while they were waiting and then they didn't because it wasn't polished enough or something um but i think because joseph staten the original writer from the original trilogy came in and he's remixing the campaign or whatever the hell he's doing and um, that'll be the thing that we get teased maybe they show something mm -hmm. that sort of is tantalizing or whatever but i think they'll put something out to satiate the masses and just go hey by the way we're xbox that thing that's on you know the inside every xbox the little picture of master chief that's what <laughs> this is and here's here's some halo for you that would be cool even if it's just like the beta for it you know it's like mm. he's the free-to-play thing he's the beta for it instantly mm -hmm. you know go nuts like give us some feedback because i think that's what they've really done well since you know the project went tits up last year you know since then <laughs> and since like you said joseph stan's come back like the studio in general has been so much more open about what mm. they're working on they've been releasing these big blog posts these big documents chronicling all of the changes they're making mm -hmm. everything they're doing and stuff so i do think you know unlike last time where they kind of came out with the trailer and then eventually they had to respond to the feedback i wonder whether they're more proactive about it this time like you said whether they're just like he's a portion of the game mm -hmm. you know it's still in development you know it's still free to play or whatever we can make changes but hope you enjoy it you know let us know um you know have the a, thing have a is, like, this. they've got this insane player base for uh, game pass now that they didn't have even this time last year where it's over 20 million people have game pass so it's like if you put out you know halo infinite free multiplayer whatever you want to call it this sort of free to play thing that's 120 frames a second because they did update the master chief collection so that it all runs 4k 60 and it's like well 4k 120 and it's like it's really gorgeous um you know you put the halo infinite multiplayer out to that player base um and maybe i don't know how fast you can bring these things around it's probably way too short a time frame but you could do some sort of live event type thing that leads into the halo infinite story um and do mm -hmm. something that preps that entire player base like, give them a reason to check out the return of master chief um because otherwise the story right now like it's it's nothing like it's just sort of he touches down on a different planet and everything's just reset he's got his old school armor on it's a little bit like silent cartographer and kind of just go from there and um, it was only over the weekend when i was looking into the villain um that showed in the first trailer he's called esherim uh, or asharim yeah. um dude works for atriox who's like this big brute um Giralnahe, whatever the species is that are the brutes um he works for him who was in the halo wars games the halo wars 2's main villain is atriox who's a really big deal mm. and esherim works for him and they're like they're, they're called the banished and they're this whole faction of covenant that have broken off and it's like that's really cool stuff 
that is barely anywhere in the marketing that you've kind of got to go yeah, totally. forward a bit. Um, and I feel like there's a lot that they could do, like put the Banished into Halo Infinite's multiplayer. It's all proper wishlist stuff, but if they manage to get the multiplayer out there and have millions of people playing it, then there's a lot more options that free themselves up um, that could sort of factor into the single player. Maybe. Maybe video games can be exciting on a AAA level again. I'm just saying. Maybe. Saying, you know what? I'm, I'm For as done as I was with Halo, you know, last year, <laughs> this time last year, I'm slowly getting one around to Infinite. Mm. And I feel like if they do something like that, if they have a really strong showing where they're, mm. you know, perhaps a little bit candid about the trouble that they've been through what they've done to change but do that on like a big scale the big e3 stage rather than just in the blog post which mm-hmm. you know are still appreciated but that will get the message out to people who don't read those blog posts though who aren't totally invested in the fandom and are more casual fans and uh yeah like the, the more i hear about it the more i feel like they're really writing the ship and i just i hope that pays off with mm-hmm. you know another grand re-reveal that shows how this hard work has kind of like paid off. Yeah, it's a weird like cross-generational thing with Halo where like me and you are in, or we're invested in the original trilogy. Me and you are the flying the flag for Halo 4. Um, and even most of the way hit five plays, but not necessarily the story and stuff. But you've also got that crossover to like newer fans and how do you appeal to them? And like, I just, I think it's a, it's a weird uphill battle, but it's like the, the love is there for Halo. Like we want to see Halo do well. So it's like do something that, you know, satiates that fandom. And um, what was your next one? Or should I dive into our Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. 
And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Thanks. I think my next one was, Scott Telford, that Bioshock, Bioshock, Bioshock <laughs> 4 um, will finally be properly unveiled because it has mm. been formally announced. Like 2K has come out and said, we're doing another Bioshock. We're hiring mm-hmm. for another Bioshock. But it was like in a blog post with nary even like a you logo for it. Like it's a whole new team, oh. cloud chamber. Like yeah. what's even, what yes. even is that? Like they've got a whole new team. They've been working on it for like a good few years now. So I feel like we might not get a substantial look at gameplay or anything, but I do feel like we'll get a, a proper teaser trailer mm-hmm. and maybe the first look at the location, whether that's going back to Rapture, whether that's doing something new. I just feel like, you know, it's kind of time for it because it's for the mm-hmm. longest time, it was the gaming industry's worst kept secret. And then it was just kind of like this weird footnote that 2K put out. <laughs> And I think if you want to kind of like start building hype, even if it is maybe a year, maybe two, maybe even three years away, mm. I think you can get out now and start like building that back up because Bioshock's been gone for so long now, but there's still people who love it. And I feel like, you know, if you can build that hype back up, put confidence in the new team and, mm. and then, you know, deliver hopefully something special. I think Do you know what's be- a horrifying realization? That Bioshock oh. Infinite is almost a decade old. That was 2013. It is. That's, mm-hmm. that's bad. That That's a bad thing to think but i mean it, it, know, it has been a way long enough that the the love is still there whenever everyone anyone mentions it but ken levine also completely awol for almost a decade apparently working on some weird narrative branching thing i don't think he's done yeah, anything but then. i don't think he has that was like again that was almost a decade ago as well and i don't know <laughs> what happened with that project either it yeah. was a it was a weird fallout after that because obviously bioshock infinite you know even though it had its detractors you know it was mm. one of the most best most best i'm doing really well that words best one of the top most best reviewed games of like that entire generation you know mm. and it sold really well people still enjoyed it for the most part and mm. then it was like Nah, no more, no more Bioshock. You can have the remasters, and that's that's it. It is a bit weird because I mean, it is two K at the top as well, who are known for just going like, we don't care about artistic integrity. Just give me another one, and like that was kind mm-hmm. of the case with two. And I know Levine sort of passed on that, came back for Infinite. Um, but yeah, for four, do you think that like what what do you? Because I think you like Bioshock overall way more than me. Like I I don't mind them. I've kind of like I played through yeah. them and I like them fine. But I I was one of those detractors for Infinite. I thought it was a, just a mess. I thought it was all over the place. But um, what would you want from a four? Like, do you want them to do? anything that is in regards to rapture columbia or do you think <sighs> break away from it altogether well that's it I, I don't know what i want but i know what i don't want and for mm. as much as i love rapture i don't want them necessarily to go back to it because no. i feel like that entire location that entire story even though like, there's still so much rich lore that you could explore mm. i feel like we've explored it to death you know we had bioshock one we had bioshock two and then we had the dlc for Infinite, connected down, yeah. yeah and went mm. back to uh oh minerva's den was the one for that two. was on two yeah, yeah i thought yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. And then, but yeah, Infinite still went back to it, you know, and it still went back and kind of like wrapped that story up for me. And I feel like, you know, they are in a kind of difficult position because, you know, we've talked before about how Infinite just sort of, you know, drew attention to the construction of Bioshock's world. You know, there's always going to be a man, there's always going to be a lighthouse. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of covered every so potential much. sequel. Like Levine just going like, I'm out after this and I'm literally <laughs> yeah. going to show you how the sausage is made so that you don't care about yeah. the sausage anymore. And I, I've, I've taken my <laughs> sausage and ran and I just, I, I'm making another one over here. And I, you know, but like, I, that was such a weird 
be like to this but there's always a lighthouse there's always a man or whatever it was always a city um, and just sort of saying like there is a reality it's almost addressing the um the marketing whims of 2k of just saying like oh they'll always it's infinite there will always be more mm-hmm. bioshock going forward and um, but i'm also leaving and but this is the reality of it i thought that was in a way genius but also kind of yeah. makes it very hard for anyone else to follow up and give it any sense of the same authority it does. It does. And I think you almost kind of perhaps have to veer away from that if you're doing a follow-up. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's made that meta comment and, you know, we all appreciate it. But it doesn't necessarily mean that those stories about whatever man there is, whatever lighthouse there is, aren't <laughs> worth telling. You know, it just mm-hmm. kind of like addresses them on this kind of like giant level, whereas you can still have interesting stories. Who else, you know, turns up at these lighthouses? Who mm-hmm. else has these kind of interactions with these, you know, fantastical um, new locations and worlds and stuff? I just... I just hope it retains that kind of element of savviness that the original three had to be based. Yeah. Two had it. The thing that I really want is a, a decent explanation for why a populace has powers. Like, I feel like they nailed that in Bioshock 1 and 2, like that it was this scientific or this like, sort of um, knowledgeable academic community that got carried away and they all started experimenting mm-hmm. on themselves with the plasmids. And then in Infinite, it was just, they're just tonics and they're just available everywhere. And it's like, when you take one, you freak out and see fire everywhere, but that's what everyone's doing. And I was just like, this mm-hmm. doesn't... For me, that made no sense. Like everyone's just like, casually having a pint of um, something that lets them control the birds or like, you know, conjure some fire. And I was just like this, for me, I'd never got on board with any of that. I felt like Rapture's explanation of the superpowers made more sense. But I feel like if you're going to ah. break away, um, then you need another way, you need another explanation for plasmids or for the tonics or something like that. Some other way that it makes contextual sense. Um, we can always revisit that because I think, did that, did you, were you totally fine with that way that they went in infinite with that stuff? I was, you know, not to like drag the point on too much, but uh, mm. like in Infinite, I thought obviously, you know, so much of the technology and, you know, the um, magical plasmid sort of side of it. A the big old floating city. Yeah, big old floating city. Like a lot of that was informed because, you know, like the characters literally could see through dimensions and could see what Rapture had done and then kind of like retrofit it. Mm. So I kind of liked that a lot of like the tech was kind of, you know, they could see glimpses of this alternate dimension where someone had achieved this. And then Mm. they're kind of like figuring out how to both profit from it and then also make it their own, you know, Mm. apply it with the stuff that they were already working on. I thought that was like a fascinating little, um, you know, thread that was really oh, yeah. about how rapture and stuff informed it but yeah yeah oh no i, t- I totally back that the explanation is great like the whole explanation mm-hmm. behind songbird the connection to the big daddies and everything that stuff was so solid i was just looking at that sort of quaint weird flying racist society that are just downing <laughs> tonics and like i said like sort of turning into birds and stuff but not all of them are doing it only like it, it just felt really weird for that um just the, the reality of that sort of place um my final um rumor is just the which is it's nigh on confirmed but nintendo themselves won't say it that the new switch will be shown off because maybe they're waiting for an e3 to do this um but i feel like the new switch is going to be shown off it's been rumored it's been leaked it's been detailed um but nintendo themselves won't talk about it um but i think they'll show it off with a um, a sizzle reel of metroid prime 4 because that thing restarted development as of two or three ish years ago you need you need a big game that is sort of big whiz bang first person shooter well it's not a first person shooter you know it's if it's a proper metroid but i feel like it's that perspective it can show it off um and breath of the wild too um, or whatever they're going to be calling the next Breath of the Wild. Um, because I feel like, you know, we're coming up on the usual two or three year cycle on a Zelda game. 
um, and it's time. Like it's either going to be delayed or whatever, but I feel like they'll have something to show. Like we know that they were already working on the cutscenes when they uh, revealed it. So I just mm-hmm. feel like if you need something to make a big splash alongside the new Switch and convince people to buy it, um, if it is also the 4K 60 system, um, then, you know, something like a new Zelda, like maybe the new powers that Link has or whatever, uh, or the way that Metroid Prime moves would be something that shows off that new capability in a way that, mm-hmm. you know, just doing another Splatoon 3 trailer maybe maybe won't. Um, what's your thoughts on the new Switch? Like, do you see yourself getting one? I've said a bunch of times that mine is broken. Mine's just, <laughs> mine just sounds, it just goes all the time. It's just, it's not good at all. I would get it for Breath of the Wild 2 and Metroid Prime. Mm. If like those, if if they announced it and then announced that those were you know coming within the first year or whatever, I would definitely oh, get one. three as well. Throwing that in uh, doesn't doesn't do much for me. The old doesn't Bayonetta do much for series. me, but I, but it's but it's a thing. It's a thing that's been on the is. table since 2017, I believe. And even the creative director just said, "Stop asking me about it." It's like no, you, <laughs> you you said this was coming, mate. Like what, what are you talking about? I think if you get those three games, man, like that's a good showing. And, uh, and you know, everyone was kind of disappointed when they did the direct earlier this year that, mm. you know, they came out and they were like, look, there's not going to be any Breath of the Wild 2 information here, buddy. You're going to have to wait for that stuff. Um, and I think we might get a big Zelda blowout alongside mm. this, you know, because there were rumors that there are a bunch of other um, remasters or ports coming for previous well, games. Still the series, so I think. Yeah, exactly. So I think if you, you know, come out with those parts and then build up to also Breath of the Wild 2 is coming and also it's on this new machine we got for you like that <laughs> could be a home run if they put oh, it off, they... but it's Nintendo, so they probably won't. No, I know. If anything, they'll probably make it worse, make it available for a month <laughs> and then take it away again. I was just thinking if they did uh, another version of Wind Waker, because that was Wind Waker HD when it got re-released on the Wii, they could do Wind Waker 4K, they could do mm. Twilight Princess 4K, you could do all these sort of like fancy versions, um, but all of it right now is still up in the air, even though you can go online and read ostensibly the full specs of the new switch because they're just they're just out there confirmed by bloomberg and everything and um, but nintendo themselves are just still putting their finger to their lips going mm, i don't know maybe maybe it's a thing <laughs> it's like it's definitely a thing lads you'd probably better off just addressing it um yeah. what was your final rumor slash prediction sir um, a final one, I think, um, was Starfield being shown at Microsoft's event. You know, it's going to be a full exclusive for one, um, but it's not going to come out this year, I don't think. I think this year is too optimistic, but I feel like Microsoft has paid all this money. And I originally I had, you know, them actually not showing it, but then I mm. remembered like with the recent acquisition, I don't think Bethesda would have shown it. But now that Microsoft has bought them, I feel like Starfield the is the is the game everyone's looking forward to. It's a game that's presumably quite a long in development now. So I do think Mm. they'll have something that will stake their claim in it. And I think that will be full exclusivity. And I think it will be a vague announcement of a release date, perhaps... I think it'll be the first half of next year, but then in my head, I think it's going to get pushed. That's my mad thing about it. It will be Game Pass exclusive to coin a term. (sighs) I think it'll be (laughs) on Game Pass day one. Because that was the thing, picking apart the absolute noodle pile of thoughts that was Phil Spencer trying to explain how Xbox exclusivity works. And he just said it's uh, it's exclusive to everywhere that Game Pass is available. So it's like, okay, but that, like, I get that that could be a Game Pass exclusive, kind of means Xbox, but also means PC. And then, but at some point, they need to almost go back on the stuff that they said about everything being available up and down a family of consoles, because at some point they need mm-hmm. to lock it to the new systems. Um, and it's not like, I mean, right now, Bethesda could really do with a technical win. They could do with something that shows off what they can do um, just as a team of coders, because I feel like they've really not had that in a long time. They used to be that PC first team that were, look what Bethesda can do, look at these intricate clockwork worlds and everything. And I feel like that's just bit them 
them, bit them in the behind over the years because they've not kept up with that reputation. Like if anything, now they're known as the weird, they just, everything is a bug. Everyone's flying up in the air. They take advantage of modders mm-hmm. and, uh, and that kind of thing. And I think that, you know, if they locked off the old systems and just said, look, it's a series X exclusive or something like that, kind of like a vow it seems to be, um, then you have so much more to play with going forward. I just, I don't know. I'm, you know where I'm, I stand. I'm very much giving the new <laughs> stuff. I don't like, yeah. you know, do something different for it, for a different system. Um, what's your thoughts on, on committing to like locking off old systems and letting a team like Bethesda just go with the new stuff? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, I do agree. Like I, like Jim Ryan once said, do believe in generations <laughs> to the point. And I think obviously it makes sense to have a transitional period at first where you're having a bunch of different cross releases and stuff, but mm. ultimately it's totally fine to have a few big games be next gen exclusive because then they're making the most of the technology. They're not having to rush out a bunch of different SKUs or anything like that. Mm. And with Starfield, I do wonder whether that's going to be a full next gen game or whether they're going to have this, kind of like cross-gen release where it's still mm. working on all hardware or whatever but yeah i would love it if it can if they came out like it's next gen exclusive it's a big leap forward from fallout 4's mm-hmm. tech or whatever like that's what i need from bethesda right they need now. a new engine i just i feel like if because todd howard already said it's running on the uh, starfield is running on the elder scroll 6 engine which is also the four mm-hmm. he was just oh the modders love that engine so we're going to stick with it i hope he's reconsidered that since fallout 76 because it's just like you guys need a new engine like i get that it's <laughs> business sense to like you know get x number of sequels from the same piece of tech or hardware but um or software rather but it's at some point i think it's it's bethesda like you guys should be the top you should be up there with naughty dog and rockstar um with like some of the most polished games ever it shouldn't be this weird half mod situation where it always feels like you have mm-hmm. something that is forever awaiting a patch that never comes um by i'm i mean i'm curious optimistic in terms of the game itself um do you feel like because they've never done like a sci-fi thing this is their first new ip in 20 plus years or whatever um do you think it'll still be the same first person like fallout elder scrolls style stuff like that's just become their signature at this point yeah i think it'll be you know distinctly bethesda and how mm. it plays i just imagine it will be you know adapted to a sci-fi setting and i'm, I'm all right <laughs> with that i quite yeah. like the way those bethesda games play even if a bunch of other rpgs have kind of came on leaps and bounds and give us more mechanically rich or mechanically satisfying experiences. Like mm-hmm. there's something to the, um, I mean, I thought Fallout 4 played really well, you know, like yeah. the shooting was far crisper than ever was. Like, it's because it like apparently you... helped or something. Uh, it's yeah, yeah. Yeah. It came in and sort of helped them tweak it up. You know, mm-hmm. I felt like you were part of the world a bit more. You had more weight, you had more presence. And ultimately I thought, even though it was not the leap forward a lot of people wanted, I thought Fallout 4 looked quite interesting as well. Like visually mm-hmm. had, a, had a couple of bells and whistles that I thought were cool. Mm-hmm. So if they, you know, stuck with the format that works, I think that will be fine. What I want to see though is more depth in the RPG elements. I don't want them to streamline it even more than what oh, they God, no. Fallout 4. If, if it has a sarcasm button, button back, we're, we're running yes. for the hills. Yeah, totally. I don't think they'll do that again just because of how much backlash that got. Uh-huh. But I mean, in other areas as well, you know, I want the quests to be more diverse, have more options, have more nuance. Don't just give us these kind of basic choices. You know, I mm. think we're beyond that in RPG space after, you know, we've after we had New Vegas like 10 years ago, after we've had Disco Elysium, you know, recently, I feel like you can't just give us the classic Bethesda binary choice <laughs> just as you said that with new vegas being that old skyrim's a decade old as well 
I'm just, I'm just realizing all these things in the middle of this podcast. Just, I mean, this is an audio-only thing, but my eyes went very wide there, realizing, realizing that Skyrim is a, yeah, is a decade old. I wonder if they might tie that in, actually, with like an Elder Scrolls announcement or something as well. Like, if you, ha- if you have to do big reasons to invest in Microsoft, invest in Xbox going forward, and you have Bethesda under your wing, then maybe you do an Elder Scrolls update as well. Have a, have a Bethesda portion of the Xbox uh, stream. I've just thought, I've just thought of something, right? What if they do... <laughs> A tenth anniversary Skyrim re-release remaster, Probably. but it's exclusive initially for like ninety days or something on Game Pass, mm. and then it comes to everywhere else. Maybe makes sense. I mean, how many? I mean, every it's a meme now. How many times they've remade, remastered, reported Skyrim? Um, but why not? I mean, it's a ten-year anniversary. That's one of the only times you can get away with it, and then you've got to mm-hmm. wait until twenty-five um, to maybe do it again. But yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. I'm just waiting for Microsoft slash Xbox to pull the trigger on Bethesda on Xbox exclusive Bethesda stuff. I feel like once that opens, uh, it'll be full on torrents, Jack Torrents of uh, infinite <laughs> things being applied um, to the Xbox brand because I just feel like they spent so much money, and I feel like everybody is over phil spencer's shoulders going have you done it yet have you announced it yet are you have you told the world that we're locking everything <laughs> down because you keep dancing around it um but we all kind of like expect that to happen the amount of money that um that was put down on that deal um so yes come find us on social media let us know what you think of the various e3 predictions rumors things that you want to see from the showcase um coming in june i believe it's june 13th that's what it was the last couple yeah. of years it'll be in june yeah. it'll be half early june. june um but yes come find us for now i've been scott taylor joined by josh brown Goodbye, Scott. (laughs) I will catch you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.